Welcome to Creating Wealth with Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Glenn Grant, and of course, I'm joined by my amazing and talented sound and recording engineer, Tux the Cat. Tux will be assisting me today, and we are going to discuss um, slow and easy. Wins the race. Okay. This is not get rich quick overnight. That's not what real estate's about. And what really bothers me in this industry is all those real estate seminars that uh, get you in for the weekend. And by the end of the weekend, they've taken 20 grand on your credit card and they promise you're going to be a millionaire the first year. And it's uh, kind of a lot of just hype and get rich quick schemes. That's not what I'm about. We are going to really talk about slow and easy wins the race. We want to be conservative. We still want to obviously make money, but this is an industry that has a lot of complexities and um, it's a process. So let's get into it today. So I grew up in the 80s reading books like Nothing Down by Robert Allen, going to seminars and always wanted to be a real estate investor. And then in the late 90s, I got into investment banking and eventually started my own boutique investment banking firm, working with hundreds of startups in various sectors, wireless, software, technology, biotech, pharmaceuticals, you name it. At any rate, did that for several years and always wanted to get involved in real estate investing. Been a long time passion. So I got my real estate license and uh, got into the mortgage banking business, became a mortgage banker, but really it was my way of uh, doing my first deal. And I decided my market, and this gets right into what we're going to be talking about, the slow and easy wins the race, was going to be single family residential homes where families need and want to live. Um, You know, some people love rentals. Um, A big seminar rage is over the last several years has been uh, out of state deals, out of state rentals, buying apartment complexes, those things are so complicated and they have a lot of complexities. Of course, the seminar leaders make it sound like it's uh, easy peasy. It's not. Uh, there's a lot of syndication involved, which means raising capital from investors. And there's a lot of savviness that you need to have. Um, and also, there's a million things that come with being a landlord. My investment strategy for couples, for individuals, regardless of the stage of life that you're at, whether you're trying to secure your retirement and you're in your 40s or your 50s or you're just starting out in your 20s, focus on the single most popular investment vehicle, if you will, and that's a residential house. It's something that even a novice, a beginner can start with. You don't get too overwhelmed. Even long-term savvy investors have done a single-family and they just make it their niche. There's a fortune in that, um, but there's a lot to learn. And um, it's the the easy way. The biggest thing I want to talk with you in today's episode about is consciousness and really not setting yourself up for failure. And we do that when we swing for the fences, when we try to make a killing on that first deal, when we get too far ahead of ourselves. And even for a seasoned vet like myself, Uh, a pro that's been doing this a long time, I can also get involved in that psychology and it can really wreck your world. So when I say slow and easy wins the race, let's focus on 50 to $100,000. 
I'd rather hit a bunch of singles than strike out hitting that home run. Because when you strike out hitting the home run, trying to hit the home run in real estate investment, that can cause divorces, it can cause personal bankruptcy, it can cause people to completely unwind in their lives, it can wreak havoc. But you know, slow and easy wins the race. Just focus on that single family residential home in a good neighborhood. That's my other investment model. Um, motto and model, okay? It, you've gotta really understand what your market is. And why do I say single family residential that appeal to kids and families? Because that's what's gonna sell the quickest. That's what's in demand. And when things get tight, you know, when you get to the million dollar range, things start to get tight. Now, you know, this last year, for example, I uh, bought several pieces of land. I designed several custom homes um, from modern contemporary to ranch style. And I built uh, homes that had a sales price of almost $1.6 million. Well, let's drill down on that and, and look at that for a moment. That's going to appeal to a retired couple who's 55 to 65. They're going to want to play golf because my homes were in a golf course area. Um, and that's a second home. That's a vacation home. That's a retirement home. That's for somebody that's probably already owned three or four homes. That's a whole nother bag of tricks and a whole nother market. And the level of construction. I mean, I'm on my construction sites daily when I'm doing those types of things. Uh, there's a million moving parts and they're very, very complex. So we want to keep things simple. We want to try to not have that get rich quick mentality. We want to read some really good books by a bunch of different people, including my book, Compound Wealth on, on Amazon. But I'm not here to just promote books, but not, not by a long shot. I want to give you some real world sage counsel that uh, the slow and easy way wins the race, not trying to hit too much of a home run. I can't tell you how many times I've gotten in trouble and I've seen other people get in trouble when they go out and they try to make two, three, four hundred thousand dollars uh, on a project that's an hour to two hours away from their house and, and it's just a disaster. So that's our model that slow and easy wins the race. And it really helps you focus because you have to get good on several things. If you're going to be a real estate investor and you're going to be in the residential market, you got to understand design. You have to understand colors. You have to understand finishes. When you see my first houses that I did back in uh, 2003, you know, they were ridiculous as far as color and design. Most men don't have a good sense of color and design in the first place. You know, women tend to do better in that area. But but both both sides, you know, we have to become experts at what are really good neutral colors. We have to understand, you know, is quartz a beautiful type of counter versus uh, um, granite, which to me is dated and, and it's loud and it's, you know, quartz that's a nice solid color is very clean. And, you know, I mean, there's a million things you need to learn about finishes and colors and what's going to appeal to people, what's going to appeal to a family, what's going to appeal to uh, a family that has kids, you know, and, and so all these variables, you know, what's an ideal lot. So for me, you know, it can be a two bedroom, one bath, or but preferably it's a three bedroom, two bath. Um, obviously, my my way of uh, doing fix and flips is to add square footage. You know, I like to add an extra bedroom and an extra bathroom. I like to blow out kitchens. 
But again, on your first deal, not the best way to, to, to start out. It's much easier and much more wise to start out with just a regular cosmetic flip. But when I get into you know your second, third, fourth deal, you wanna start thinking about adding square footage because that drives value. You know, if I can drive, if my market has $400 of value and I can build that for $140, you know, I've just made a lot of money in that extra thousand square feet that I added. If I took a two bedroom, one bath house and I bring it up to a three and two, you know, I can drive a lot of newfound equity. But then there's complexities that start to come up. Like, do you have comps in the area that are going to support it? How far away are those comps? So there's these things to figure out. But you know, the biggest key is is figuring out your design, understanding, you know, what's gonna be appealing to people. And you know, when you first start in the business, sometimes you're not really good in that area. And so that takes a, a lot of study. And then the market strategy of of how you buy these things. Um, you know, how do you how do you do a room addition and get the building permits? And, and how do you do it where you're not hiring a general contractor and he or she is making all of the profit and you're not? You know, those are very, very important strategies to, to learn about. Now, I teach those in my seminars, obviously. Um, I teach some of that in my books as well. But um, that's a very key process. You know, there is a lot of money to be made. Um, but you have to understand you're going to be driving value. You're going to be adding value. You've got to do that in a wholesale way that's very savvy. And, you know, one of the things that I love about uh, adding square footage is it drives away a lot of investors. You know, there's a lot of investors out there, uh, regardless of the market conditions and regardless of the times that we're living in, that will always just be focused on the fix and the flips. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's where you have to get your start. But the very small stratum of people, a very small percentage of people, are going to shift into adding square footage because that's now construction. And I could do hours on podcasts on all the nuances that you have to learn about that. But I tell you, that's where the real money has made. And that's what also gives you a market opportunity where there's a lot less competition. You know, we talk about that in, in investment banking when we were dealing with startup companies. You know, what are the barriers to entry for people? That's a huge barrier to entry. You're, you're going to have a lot less competition when you're adding square footage to a project. But again, can't do that on your first one. That's really, I've seen it nine out of 10 times, the person that ends up making money on their first project that added square footage was the contractor that did all the work. You have to be super savvy and there's a lot to learn and, and, and a lot of details just on that process alone. So let's focus on slow and easy wins the race when the market rates come back down to you know below six percent uh, we're gonna have a very viable market on our hands and you have to become a, a student of a specific area uh, you have to grid that thing out you know when i'm buying pro properties in a specific area i've got all kinds of grids that are up on my walls so, I mean, you have to take this stuff very, very serious. And that's the other thing, you know, become a student, have that mindset that you're going to become a student of this and you're going to become an expert. And you have to be able to wear multiple hats, uh, managing crews, uh, managing procurement of materials, being savvy on that, what you're paying for, managing, you know, where you're buying these houses, understanding the market conditions. I mean, there's, there's so much, but it's also a really neat thing to learn to learn all this stuff 
uh, and all these newfound skills that you're going to accumulate gives you a sense of well-being. It gives you a sense of pride. Gives you a sense that, um, like my motto in my personal development seminars, is you know leave people in a better condition than how you found them. You know you want to leave this house, that neighborhood, in a better condition than how you found it for that family that's going to move in there and live there. And so you want to put a lot of thought and a lot of care and expertise and ideas and knowledge and energy into these projects. You're not just trying to, you know, get in and get out and, and, and just slap it together. And a lot of people do that. And that's not a good quality house. And you want to sleep good at night. You want to know that you're doing good work. So a lot of variables here, but let's first start with slow and easy wins the race.